0: If you want more people to actually open your emails and your deliverability to go up, this is the episode for you. Today, we're chatting with Amanda Natividad, who is the VP of marketing at SparkToro, a tool that shows you everything you need to know about your customers, social accounts they follow, hashtags they use, websites they visit, and all that stuff in between. So she has a lot of expertise and authority in the content marketing space. you really understanding your customers and what makes them tick from a content marketing perspective. So Let's dive in. Amanda, so pumped to have you here. Now, I know newsletters are regarded as one of the most important marketing resources that a business can have, so I'm pumped to bring you on here. And in particular, within newsletters and email, there's three components that you see the most opportunity in, maybe the most overlooked things that creators and businesses are missing in regards to email and newsletters. So I'm ready to unpack those and just to tee it off for you. The first one is subject line. So like what are people missing or what do you often see people doing wrong with subject lines that would help them if they changed it get better open rates?
1: I think what's tricky about subject lines is that you have to tread the balance between one making it obvious what it is like what the email is or you know who you are and the balance between that and getting someone to click and open it right. So it's both the like clickbaity part and the credibility or the clarity part. That's what's really tricky. I think it's really hard to find that balance.
0: Do you see a difference between like a, that mindset on a B2B versus like a personal creator standpoint? Like, do you go like on personal, do you get like, maybe a little bit more like focused on getting the click, whereas on like the B2B side, you might be focused on adding that clarity of who you are and what the brand is that's sending this to you?
1: I think so. I mean, it's tricky, right? Because I think a lot of people or a lot of marketers would probably say, you know, focus on becoming the brand that gets people to click, right? And I and I get that, and I agree with that. But it's still kind of squishy and nebulous because it's well, how do you become that brand? Well, like that still it still takes a lot of time, or you know, that still takes a lot of effort, right? So I guess. What I would say is what I tend to see on the creator side is, you know, a lot of people using their names, which is what I do. And then on the B2B side, I see a mix of people using the company name or a first name at company name. What I do at SparkToro is I use Amanda at SparkToro as the sender. That seems to be what what works well for us. You know, we've tested it a couple times across using just first name and last name, using just SparkToro, the SparkToro team. And then kind of landed on M- Amanda at SparkToro, in part because it also feels on brand for us to have the friendly first name and company name. We think it makes it clear and, you know, it works for us. So I would say the importance of A-B testing, that sender line.
0: And with the the subject line in particular, are, are you guys seeing, and in your experience, are you seeing any particular type of subject lines performing better, short versus long versus how do you combine like the pre-header text with that? Like any any insights into that type of stuff?
1: Yeah, so what I do is I focus on whatever character count and I don't know off the top of my head, uh, whatever character count fits within a Gmail subject line because most people are using G Suite for their email, whether they're a corporate company or it's their actual Gmail account. So I focus on that.
0: From a mobile or a desktop standpoint?
1: Oh, I don't, I don't even think that that far ahead. Um, I do it from desktop because I'm doing it in desktop, but to your point, I should be testing on uh, the like a mobile optimized versus desktop multiple uh, optimized. So maybe I would add on to that is you should look at your email analytics and see which platform your readers are usually opening the emails from and then, you know, probably prioritize that. So. I would say, you know, I optimize for the Gmail, um, for the Gmail subject line. And then I think about the, the preview text that comes in that window. I use that to kind of build upon the subject line, or I might add something just a little bit weird or, you know, something I, I, you know, eye grabbing, but something that might sound kind of random where somebody might think, huh? Like, what is that? I think it's also just kind of a fun thing to do. And then from there, kind of build upon the text, right within the actual email itself.
0: Yeah, I like one of the things that we've been doing and seeing really good results with it. And we don't definitely don't do it every time, but in that in the pre header text, literally just filling it up with dashes. That way, when it hits someone's inbox, it's the, it's the subject line, and then it's just dashes going across, and it just really separates you in the inbox and really kind of subtly draws your eyes to to that section, right? Because most people have like a flood of, of emails that, that you're trying to stand out in. So we've really seen that work well. And similar to what you were saying as well is have this subject line almost where like it to a like normal, somebody just checking their email, the subject line wouldn't even really make sense on its own, but it builds into the first line of the email. So like it's almost like the start of the email itself. So when they they read the subject line, they open the email. It's like a continuation of that story, and then it makes sense. Like oh that that's what that meant. Yeah. So that's something that and it's similar to what you were saying as well.
1: Yeah, I I love how you explain that, and I completely agree. That's a great way to do it. That's something I've been trying to do more in my personal newsletter, the menu, where I use that I use the subject line of the email as that sort of headline in general. Um, someone else who's really, really good at this is Kay He, um, Kay He of radreads.co. His uh, Saturday morning newsletter, really good at using that subject line to grab you and then building upon that text throughout the newsletter itself. So,
0: yeah. Another thing that you you put on here, which was uh, I'm really interested in because it's definitely like I've, I've done a lot of testing with subject lines and things like this, but I've never... Made sure I intentionally added prompts for people to unsubscribe uh, throughout the process. So like break down, like how you're doing it and why you're doing it. Cause most of the time people are like, damn, I work so hard just to get people to subscribe to the damn thing. Like, why am I going to make it like uh apparent on how they can unsubscribe? So like break down your thoughts and philosophy around that.
1: Oh, absolutely. So when I launched the audience research newsletter for SparkToro, you know, I launched it to our, our email marketing list like to the, to the people who were opted in to receive our marketing emails right fair game right they 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 know what they signed up for and you know we send this newsletter twice a month so it's not as though we we just started you know spamming people every single day so anyway this was a new newsletter it was something that people were opted in for in the sense of like i said they were expecting marketing emails however the newsletter itself was new so for the first several i think at, at least 3 maybe 4 sends i wrote at the very top of the email something like, this is our newsletter. If you don't want this, please unsubscribe. <laughs> and I put it at the very top of the email, did this like at least three times. And even now, I'll still do it every now and then just to kind of remind people that they can opt out of it. And we did, you know, sure, we got unsubscribes from it, but that was sort of the whole point, right? I wanted the people to read it to be people who really want to read it. And the funny thing was that I think after the third or fourth time I did this, one of our email subscribers replied to me and said, it was just like, I understand that you want to clean your list, but like, please stop doing this because people are going to unsubscribe. Like people should read your wonderful email. Uh, they were so nice about it, but they were so lovely and nice about it. But I I still disagreed. I was like, you know, I respect this opinion for sure, but I hate spam. I do. And I just think it's better, it's kinder, it's more considerate to your customers or your email subscribers to just remind them of the fact that, hey, it's okay to unsubscribe. You can come back later if you want to or not. Maybe this newsletter is not relevant to you and your needs. And if it's not relevant to you, then I don't want you to be in my lead list anyway.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Does this is one of the thoughts around unsubscribing to Protect like I don't know the right terminology here, like the server reputation, like your sender reputation, and, and things like this. You want to make sure that you're getting high open rates as like a, a positive signal, like hey, we're sending out emails that people are actually opening, and and that could potentially help with deliverability. I
1: think so. Yeah, I definitely think that's part of it. And it's also just you know being GDPR compliant, but. I mean, I agree with you. I think that is part of it, but I think when it comes down to it, the way I see it is just um sort of the human side of being considerate about somebody's email inbox.
0: Yeah. So when you don't put it at the the very top and the very first line, uh is it just like normally at the bottom like a normal unsubscriber? Yes.
1: So it's always at the bottom like like normal. People can update, instantly update their email preferences. Uh this is uh, all thanks to our co-founder and CTO, Casey Henry, who I'm sure you've seen this before uh, in a lot of teams where the email marketing hub doesn't match up with like the product emails or the marketing emails because emails come from all over within a company. But Casey built a system where everything actually is synced in one place. So people can immediately update their settings and they are good to go.
0: (laughs) So it's like a a custom built in-house tool? Yes. Interesting. Cleaning the list. So removing people without them removing themselves, right? So we talked about unsubscribing and then there's the the next step of that, which is cleaning the list. Can you break down how you like what that means? Like to someone that isn't like a, a email nerd like us, like what is cleaning the list mean? And why might you do that to take an additional step to take people off of your list?
1: Yeah. So cleaning your email list is essentially removing all of the cold subscribers or the people who haven't opened your emails in a defined time frame usually the the best practice and this is what i follow is people who haven't opened your emails in about 90 or so days i think depending on your email cadence or just depending on your own preferences maybe you'll maybe your definition will be 60 days or 30 days i just went with 90 because you know that's kind of what's commonly advised and I don't have a strong opinion on whether it should be greater than or less than that.
0: When you go through and you do that, you're you're essentially deleting them out of the database or putting them in an unsubscribed status or whatever.
1: Yes. Well, so then it's it's identifying these cold subscribers and then sending out an email that that essentially allows them to re-opt in. So the email that I typically send is something like, you know, hey, Ryan, uh, I've noticed that you haven't opened our emails in a couple of you know, in a couple of weeks or in a couple of months. Uh, I have a feeling you don't want these emails anymore. If that's the case, no action from you is required. You will not receive any more emails. However, if you do want to stay on the list, please click on this link and we will keep emailing you. So that way there is an action that's required if someone wants to stay. But if they truly are this, you know, that passive cold subscriber, they might not even open this email, right? In which case they will be removed in, you know, a week or so and they won't keep getting your emails. Now, so I think there, there's a case for and against this, right? There might be some people who would say, oh, why does it matter? You're kind of optimizing for this minor thing, no need, whatever. But the reason I like to do it is because, one, it can help deliverability, right? Because um, your your email open rates or your engagement rates will be higher. And so that helps for your de- deliverability. Um, but it also gives you a better picture of how engaged the subscribers as a whole really are, the active subscribers are, right? So in doing this, you know, before, so before we actually recently cleaned our list at SparkToro. And before we cleaned it, our email open rate for our newsletters was about 30%. And we have, you know, tens of thousands of subscribers. So about 30%, I feel like is actually pretty good for B2B. Yeah. I'd say so. Yeah. Right. I think I think normal is usually around what 18 to 20%, I think. Um, so I was, I was pleased with 30%, but I thought this could be higher if we remove the cold subs. So after we removed our cold subscribers, you know, had a reduced list. But now I, I was actually just looking at our, at our email stats before this call and our email open rates for the newsletter are now closer to 45%. So, nice, which is pretty awesome, you know, and I think, you know, I think we'll probably run our cold subscriber campaign a couple times a year. I think at this point. Uh, we have it automated. So yeah, it's kind of a set it.
0: What's your subject line on that email? Because obviously, like, if someone does want to be there, you really want them to open that email. Like, You want that to be the one they open so that they're like, oh yeah, actually, like, I've just, whatever reason, weren't seeing these, they were going in promotions or whatever. So like, what would a subject line look like on that?
1: Yeah, so I actually have to look it up because I don't have it offhand well
0: real life look
1: <laughs> well the funny thing is it's I, we, we sometimes have pretty boring we have we sometimes have pretty boring subject lines so for the newsletter it always says audience research newsletter number whatever it is 18 and then there's a sh- very which doesn't give us a lot that doesn't give us a lot of space for custom content right the custom subject subject line so most recently the subject line was Modern content marketing. So, <laughs> audience research newsletter number 18, modern content marketing. I mean, I think that's kind of funny because arguably that's not very interesting. That's not what I would choose for my personal newsletter. And I could tell you what I did for my personal newsletter more recently. But I think on the SparkToro side, I think it's a pretty good example of when you focus on creating a brand that's trusted, that people know, that's credible, then to some extent, it doesn't really matter what your subject line says. And then in the case of a newsletter, right, it's either somebody wants your newsletter or they don't. Like, I don't think, I think to some degree, yeah, the subject line will matter. But at the end of the day, they know, okay, I know it's this newsletter. I know what I'm going to get from it. So I know that I want to read it, even if they kind of, you know, whiffed.
0: (laughs) I would say that's different than like a traditional, like marketing email, whereas like, uh, not a, probably not good verbiage, but you're almost trying to like, in some ways you're trying to like entice or trick someone to like open the email, like, come on, like click this. Whereas like with the newsletter, you're like, there's value in here. And you actually, it sounds like your guys approach is like, we really want them to know this is the audience newsletter. And we want to put that in the subject line so that the people who want this twice a month are actually going to click it. And it's not any ambiguity into what is actually gonna be in this email this is the newsletter right here
1: yeah and I, I will say though for our marketing emails to promote our monthly office hours webinars then I will lean into sort of the the clickbait type of email subject line but I also make sure that I deliver on the clickbait so most recently you know we had a webinar on developing audience personas so thinking beyond buyer personas and thinking more holistically about your audience and so thus, developing audience personas. So the subject line that I used for that was traditional buyer personas are a reductive mess. So that's the thing that's kind of like a, you know, setting a stake in the ground, right? Giving someone a reason, like, do you want, yeah, I think you want to click on this, but it was, but where I delivered on the clickbait, right? Delivered on that hook was, well, it's a, it's an entire webinar, about what is wrong with buyer personas, So it felt deserved or felt earned.
0: Absolutely. Are there any other things that you're doing from an email perspective that are, you think, creating outsized returns in terms of like clicks or opens or anything like that, whether it be your personal or business?
1: So the thing that I do is, this might be counterintuitive to what we, what we've done in email marketing in the past. And I say we as as a whole, as an industry of email marketers. Uh, the thing that I do that is probably counterintuitive now is I provide the value front and center in the email. I think traditionally, you know, maybe email marketing 10 years ago or 15 years ago was, no, entice the reader to click. Tell them you're going to give them this really cool thing. You're going to tell them the secret to email marketing you're going to tell them the secret to audience personas and then they had to click on it to get there. I think these days, you know, consumers and consumers in the definition of people who are consuming content, consumers are a lot savvier, right? Everybody knows, oh, I know I know they want they want to get me to click. I know they're going to try to sell me the the moon and the stars and everything. So I don't need this. I think what marketers need to do is to not be afraid to just give that value. So in the case of my audience personas emails, the the webinar promo email, the one that said traditional buyer personas are a reductive mess. There's a punchline that I have in this larger joke of an example of why buyer personas are not effective. And so the punchline was I made a fake PowerPoint slide. Well, it's a real PowerPoint slide, but I made a, a slide of a fake buyer persona using myself as an example, and so it's filled with a bunch of non sequiturs and silly jokes. And that's the that's like the that's kind of the buildup. That's the, that's the joke. But what I did in this in this webinar email was I just put that slide in the email itself and said, "Well, here's why they are a reductive mess. Look at this thing." Right. Where I think traditionally an email marketer 10 years ago would have said, no, 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 no. We want to see people. We want to get people to click to see the slide. What we want to do is say, Hey, click on this link to see what's wrong with buyer personas. But instead, what I did was no, I'll just put the joke right in the email. If somebody laughs, if they enjoy this, if this resonates, then I will trust that they will attend the webinar. They're going to click and register and sign up
0: hmm Yeah. Yeah. It almost filters down uh, a bit more as well. Interesting. Yeah. Very cool. Now, if people want to learn more about you and and what you guys are doing over at SparkToro, how can they do that?
1: Yeah. So SparkToro helps you, marketers, founders, whoever, find your audience's true sources of influence. And you can learn more about us by, you know, checking us out at SparkToro.com or subscribing to our twice per month audience research newsletter. And then on my personal creator side, you know, I have my own sort of my own weekly newsletter on marketing and creativity. It's called The Menu, and you can subscribe at amandanat.com.
0: Nice, nice. And are you active on Twitter as well?
1: I am. Yes. You can find me on Twitter at amandanat. And you know what? Tweet at me. Say hello.
0: (laughs) Cool. That's fantastic. I appreciate you coming on and breaking down uh, some of the things you're doing around email marketing and giving us some uh, great insights. I really appreciate it, Amanda.
1: Yeah, thank you so much, Ryan. This
0: is fun. Likewise, talk soon. Hey, before you go, real quick, real quick. Take a screenshot, shoot this over to a friend. That's how we grow the show. You share it, I keep producing awesome content. Deal, deal. Oh, and and by the way, if you're ready to create your own content funnel, head over to contentfunnels.co and snag a time on my calendar today.